It's your boy Nolan Hawkeye Anthony here, and what a nonchalant Saturday. Uh, I mean, there were some big games on, and but as an Iowa fan, it just doesn't really feel like football is there yet. It just doesn't, and I. Uh, you know, uh, by the way, go to 247hawkeye.com as well as uh, listening to the NHA podcast. Share the podcast, like the podcast, comment on the podcast, um, all that good stuff. Uh, and uh, yeah, listen, Iowa football is two weeks away. Uh, the big news was the depth chart information that came out. Uh, mostly, the reason why I'm doing this podcast is, number one, to say how terrible, and I would use a different word, uh, the Big 12 is. And this goes into something bigger, which is that the Big 12 and the Pac-12, and, and I understand that a lot of pe- that a lot of uh, uh whatever you want to call them, uh, analysts. Yeah, whatever you want to call analysts. Make the argument that it is not about the entire conference. It's about the top teams in each conference. Um, and... Dean, are you all right, buddy? Um, okay. I finally can't hear the, you. Now. I couldn't hear you before. The <laughs> Big Twelve, uh, they have been struggling, uh, but they have gotten teams into the playoff with Oklahoma. And as me and Dean talked about this last week, I think, I think, or maybe not last week, but I think it has uh, shown that the Big Twelve. Number one, the Big Ten should have – Ohio State or Wisconsin, maybe one year Wisconsin. I I can't remember what year it was. 
But Ohio State should have gotten a team in each of the last three seasons. The Big 12 has been very lucky in getting Oklahoma in there just because of the schedule. Whatever it was, it, you know, it was just it was always something weird. You know, the schedule, uh, you know, you would have analysts say uh, something like, well, they they only lost one. They, they went undefeated uh, and they won the the uh, the uh, Big 12 championship there's nothing bad you can say they have a great loss or something like that. They would always make excuses for Oklahoma in the past two seasons and getting them into the college football playoff. And so on one hand, you have analysts who say that the only thing that matters are the top teams in the conference, how you measure a conference are the top teams in the conference. Uh, and then you have people like myself who think, who believes that it's the whole of the conference uh, th that makes a conference healthy or not. And so, Dean, listen, dude, I think it's very obvious that the Big 12 uh, and the Pac-12, uh, they, for the most part, have front runners. You know, the Pac-12 has Oregon uh, and USC, but Iowa shellacked. Pack uh, uh, the back the Pac-12's second or third best team in the entire conference, Dean. And it's not mm -hmm. just twelve teams anymore. It's I mean we both know it's 14, 15 teams in there, right? Uh, so for me, Dean, I think it's just becoming very obvious that the Big Twelve and the Pac-12, even though they're not playing, which is a massive mistake. Are not they are moving towards group of five when it comes to actual conference talent all around? I mean, what do you think? I mean, am I am I crazy off here? What what are your thoughts? I've said before that uh, championships are won by defense, and Oklahoma's not playing defense. They were very fortunate right. to win that game against. Um, Texas yesterday, and Texas is not playing defense either. Um, Texas so, is not good. Oklahoma's not good. Yeah. Yeah, I think this year they're overrated, but that doesn't mean – I mean, let's wait till after next season. Let's see what happens next season. One year doesn't define a conference because, as we know, that Oklahoma – Oklahoma's probably sure. been the only team in the conference, though. You're absolutely right. That has had um, national championship caliber until this year. And so, but let's, right. but let's wait until next year. <laughs> and well, I, this, you're right. Uh, it's a theory and you know what? We'd have to have two back-to-back -back seasons, but I do think the PAC 12 has shown enough to say that they are a conference of front runners. Um, I mean, where do you stand, Dean? Are, are you somebody that usually defines a conference uh, based uh, off of the top teams or all the all-around uh, healthiness of a conference. Uh, where are you on that on that scale? I would have to be all the, the all the way around the healthiness of, of the conference where they too. are from top to bottom. I mean, the Big Ten I think is in healthy condition. SEC is in healthy condition. Pac-12 and you're healthy, son. Yep, yeah, they're yeah. really healthy. Yeah, ACC is getting Even there. The ACC, to be honest, from top to bottom is pretty healthy, to be honest. Yeah, they are. I mean, are. Are, 
are they juggernauts? No. Do they have his? Are, are they are they at where the Big Ten and the SEC are when it comes to the top four teams and and how good they are? No, not quite. They're not quite there yet. Not quite because Miami hasn't lived up to standards. Florida State hasn't lived up to standards. Um, and so you have teams like Virginia and the Dukes and the, and and those teams that are that are uh, that are uh, the ACC's uh, you know health. Let's just call it that. Your health, son. And uh, <laughs> and but uh, they, they aren't they aren't as good as the what Florida State can be and what. Um, and what uh, Miami can be and and some of the top teams. You know, Virginia Tech has shown before that they can be really good. I mean, Clemson shellacked Miami, Dean, 42-17. And I've said this to you over – I said this to you before. Why does Miami continue to be ranked every freaking year? Every year, Dean, they are ranked at the beginning of the season – and every year for the past 10 years, just like Nebraska, they have let people down over and over and over again. And you know what? I'm actually kind of a Miami fan. You know, the 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 the, the youth story on ESPN, they did a great job. What better recruiting tool than the you documentary? I mean, come on. <laughs> if, I mean, if only they had a Hayden Fry version of that. Iowa would 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 be good for the next uh, sixty years. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> but um, I mean, it's true. We both know it. I mean, it's crazy. But um, and and while we're on it, I'll give another score. Alabama beat Ole Miss. Uh, and you know, I am interested to see what Lane Kiffin can do with Ole with Ole Miss. Um, I think Lane Kiffin is a good coach. I do. Um, you know, I don't think he has made the best decisions, um, but I do think he is criticized. I think he has been uh, criticized mostly for that Tennessee USC decision. Um, but if you're a coach and you want to be a, the best coach that you can be, uh, USC is a better program than Tennessee. And USC, uh, you can win m m a little bit easier there because, as I always say, USC, Miami, and there, there's probably one more school, maybe UCLA or, or like Florida State. Uh, but, but USC and Miami – oh, and Texas. Those, USC, Miami, and Texas are the only three schools where the coaches don't even have to get on an airplane – to fill out their entire uh, the entirety of their uh, recruiting class, um, and so you know Lane Kiffin's decision to go to USC, I think I would have done the same thing. Even though Tennessee is a great school, has had play teams like uh, Peyton Manning, but uh, but look, I want to get back to what I was saying. The reason why I'm talking about this, Dean, is because of Iowa State, obviously. And it's just oh, overall for me, I'm just not – it's hard for me to buy that Iowa State is this – you know, deep down, they're actually this really good team that just made a mistake against Louisiana. It's kind of like judging a guy who cheats on a girl 
and 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 people say, oh no, he's a really really good guy. Just this one mistake, and that's all, and and uh, that's it. Um, you know, I usually don't fall for that. And looking at the entire Big Twelve, you're right. I don't think we can judge it uh, un- uh, unless they continue to struggle into next year. Uh, but a few things do continue to show to be true, which is, uh, first and foremost, it's I, I don't know. I don't know to you, Dean. I'm curious what you think. In your view, besides Oklahoma and Texas, has the Big 12 been slowly uh, going down and, in other words, living in their own bubble of how they play football? You know, um, uh, in the Big 12, they score a lot of points, but anytime they get outside of the Big 12, they're in trouble. What do you, I mean, what do you think about that? Because I've heard people talk about that before. What do you think on that? Um, actually, I think you might be pretty close to accurate on it. They are declining. They're not – they don't play defense inside the Big 12, and I think that's what's hurting them. Like They don't. That's what hurts Oklahoma when they go to the playoffs, you know, and they're the only school that's ever in that Big 12 that's – ever been right i mean not ever ever but you know in the most recent history you know because um that's had national championship caliber but um texas is was supposed to be there this year well texas is not there anymore oklahoma is not there anymore and iowa state holds a two-game lead right, over right. both of them how about that right <laughs> right it's crazy uh and, and by the way you know since we're talking about texas tom herman when he was at Houston, he when 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 I heard he was going to Texas, a hundred percent, I said, "Look out!" I mean that 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 was as solid of a hire that a school can make. You know, mm-hmm. within the same state, the 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 dude is dominating at a lower conference uh, with lower talent of recruits. That, but since he's gone to Texas, he hasn't really done it. He, re- he hasn't, Dean. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think Herman is on the hot seat? Not yet. Not yet. I think I think the coaches this year are going to get a pass this year. Um, I think he'll be on the hot seat next year. If, huh, that's interesting. If, yeah. Um, the thing, I don't know. I'm trying to formulate this. What I want to say on here is this year, like, I, I sent a text to you and Paul yesterday how I, I can see the big boys are slowly falling down. You know, LSU lost again yesterday, so they're out of the picture. And Right. And, you know, so I got to thinking about – It is left. possible that Ed Orgeron just actually <laughs> – truly. It, it is possible that Ed Orgeron really, truly was not a good coach ever. Mm-hmm. It's just that his team was so freaking good last year mm-hmm. that it was kind of like the Miami situation – where that the, the very last time that they won a national title when they had when they had um uh gosh darn it who's the tight end that that ha- has played for the Panthers with with Cam Newton and um gosh darn it um but the team was absolutely lo- uh, loaded they had they had uh, I think they broke the record I mean I'm talking about the Miami team that that lost to Ohio State in that, uh, uh, in what was that, 2002? I don't remember um, that far back, dude. <laughs> they, yeah, but they, but they were crazy good. Uh-huh. And, uh, uh, the you know, the the U documentary mm-hmm. on ESPN goes back to that. And, um, 
I mean, they have guys like Darrell Revis and and just some of the, I mean, guys that have are going to be in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember the tight end right now who has played for the Carolina Panthers for the past whatever year, uh, and now he doesn't. Um, but uh, I'm blanking on his name. Um, and the the coach that went there. He was an assistant coach. He didn't go there. When uh, Jimmy Johnson or whoever their coach was left, in other words, the guy who was there the last time Miami won a national championship, they were so good that he and, – and he said this in the documentary that it w- that basically he just had to put himself in a position to, uh, to not hinder the group – uh, that he had from going to where they could go, which was nas- being a national championship team. And I think it's very similar with with LSU, and I think the averages are playing out. I don't think Ed Ordron is a good coach. I understand he won a national championship, and I understand that Kirk Ferentz has it, has not. But uh, I, you look at Ed Ordron and what he's done elsewhere, Dean, and I'm just not so sure that, you, that I'm, I'm still not sold on it. I'm just not. Uh, but uh, anyways, go ahead. Continue on the point that you were making with the big boys falling. Okay. Um, so I got to thinking about who's who's really left for the final four. Uh, you know, while I was watching the game, while I was watching the um, Alabama game yesterday, hoping that that guy that Ole Miss would step up and beat him. But uh, what was the final? <laughs> what was the score on that game? Anyway, I had to leave the game when it was forty-five thirty-eight, and it didn't yeah, look like already already said the final on the Alabama game. Uh, 63-48, Alabama beat Ole Miss. Oh, okay, and then another score: uh, <laughs> Georgia beat Tennessee forty-four twenty-one. Okay, so it's like okay, so we got probably Alabama right now out of the teams who are playing, Clemson and Georgia and Georgia. So who who takes that other spot? Hopefully, Ohio State, I guess. Or the winner of the Big 12? I would say right now without the Big 10. Mm -hmm. I would say right now without the Big 10, uh, Florida lost to Texas A&M, and they were ranked fourth. Um, I think think right now the SEC is getting a lot of love that they shouldn't. And Mm -hmm. and, uh, once the Big 10 gets in there, things will even out. Right. Because the truth of the matter is the Big 10 has Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan – uh, Minnesota. Uh, uh, well, let's just let's just name the teams that absolutely should be ranked, and then the teams that could be ranked. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could make a case for them. So Ohio State, Penn State, uh, uh, Wisconsin, uh, Michigan, Iowa. That's five Big Ten teams that mm-hmm. are missing out of the top twenty-five. So right now, and then Minnesota would be six. Uh, I'm not sure you could really make an argument elsewhere, maybe Indiana. Um, but it, you're right, Dean. It's Clemson. It's Alabama. It's Georgia, which, quite frankly, those have been the top three teams mm-hmm. for the past, what, three, four years? Yes, yes, um, yes. Notre Dame is sneaking up on people, Dean. Notre Dame and Clemson are going to have a clash because, remember, Notre Dame is playing ACC football this year, and <laughs> Notre Dame trounced Florida State 42-26. Um, and uh, what about Nor- – how about North Carolina? You know, this is the this is story that I always tell Hawkeye fans to always be careful what you wish for. 
because so many times I've seen people say, you know, got to get rid of uh, Fran McCaffrey, got to get rid of Kirk Ferentz. And I always say, always, always, always say two, uh, two points. Number one, we've been good for 40 years or with Fran McCaffrey, I always say, look at where we are versus where we were, you know, slow down. And then two, the second point I always say is hold your brakes. Uh be careful what you wish for. Look at this program or this program. Uh, they would be better off with 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 the other coach that you know was uh, booted out of town. And a perfect example of that is Texas. North Carolina right now is ranked sixth in the country, Dean, uh, and going to be ranked higher after their eleven point victory over nineteenth ranked Virginia Tech. And if you remember correctly. Uh, North Carolina, uh, te- uh, Texas's last coach uh, was. Let me pull up North Carolina's coach. I'm blanking on his name. Um, I mean, he's uh, he also did the game day stuff. Uh, so he's a vi- he's a pretty famous guy in college football. Um, can't believe. Uh, you- Hold on. Yeah, so uh, North Carolina's down, and uh, you know it, Iowa fans should remember Mac Brown. Iowa lost to Texas. Uh, I think it was two thousand eight or something like that. Two thousand eight, Iowa lost to te- uh, two thousand seven or two thousand eight. And Mac Brown, the, the last time Texas won a national championship was with Mac Brown, and they haven't had the same kind of success in and and I don't know how long. So to me, the perfect example, and by the way, guys, this is get, this uh, podcast can be very hard to get. That's all right, uh, because audacity is the main one that we've been doing. And uh, you guys have been freaking amazing. I mean, that's the truth of it. Um, I, I had no idea that, uh, that uh, there was so much love. Uh, I, I, number one... Uh, for just Hawkeye content, uh, and secondly, Iowa basketball. Uh, Dean, I do think Iowa basketball is kind of a niche thing that that that, that uh, the niche people that that really only care about Iowa basketball like really really care about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I talked about that in the pot in the in uh, the podcast. I think there are people who are like there's a, a certain percentage of people who are like you and me that like football, basketball, everything. Um, then there's people that like, that like football the most. And when it comes to Iowa basketball, they could take it or leave it. Then you have Iowa wrestling people that could give a damn about Iowa football or basketball. And then you have Iowa basketball people that could give a damn about Iowa football or which to me, is is strange considering I like all the sports, but you do find that. I mean, I see people that make comments on Facebook all the time saying I care less about the football team. I like Iowa basketball, or I could care less about Iowa, Iowa basketball. I like Iowa football, uh, which astounds me. But uh, yeah, I mean, listen, folks, uh, careful what you wish for. Mac Brown uh, has gone to North Carolina. Number one. 
North Carolina has a lot of recruits. I don't think it's incredible that he's winning there. I think, it, you know, uh, North Carolina has a good name to it and a good ring to it. I think it's completely possible. Um, but as if, if you're Texas right now, I think you are uh, hurting uh, because you absolutely pushed Mac Brown out, and then you had the uh, the the one coach uh, that came from Louisville that was a defensive minded coach. Um, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, maybe Dean could help me out there if he remembers. Probably not. I don't even remember his name. Um, and then they pushed him out for Tom Herman. Now you have Tom Herman, and you're still struggling. And had you just stuck with Mac Brown, things would have been just fine. So this is a thing to Iowa fans. Always, always be sure and be careful what you wish for. <laughs> be sure and be careful uh, what you wish for when it comes to uh, getting rid of coaches and, and things like that because this stuff matters. I don't want to lose 40 years of good football, uh, good Iowa football, just because of, uh, you know, uh, my emotions. I want to look at things strategically uh, and, 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 and really make a solid decision. Um, but, yeah, uh, I think that's interesting, Dean, that North Carolina football is doing better than Texas football. I, mm. I kind of find it strange that you don't find that interesting. <laughs> I mean, when is Carolina football ever good, uh, but Mac Brown is doing his job. I mean, he's doing great. Well, let me ask you this question um, real quick. Okay, Clemson's an ACC team. They haven't played Clemson yet. Um, correct. Is Georgia an ACC or SEC? Georgia's SEC, Dean. Okay, so I got that one wrong. Okay, I don't know why I think ACC when I think of Georgia. Dang. Okay, I don't know either. All right. Well, anyway. So, um, that was my, that was, that was my point is I don't think, um, and they haven't played Notre Dame yet. Let's, let's talk North Carolina after they play Clemson and Notre Dame. If they do play them, maybe they don't. That's true. I, I agree. Maybe they, yeah. I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. Okay. Yeah. I'm with you on that. No, I just, uh, hundred percent. I'm yeah, at the point where I don't, I'm not there yet with North Carolina. I know that they're having a nice season so far and they're playing pretty well. But I'm not there yet because, you know, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. It's kind of like the Duke thing the, uh, when Duke was good mm -hmm. or decent where everybody kept saying, no, hold on, hold on, let's wait. Mm -hmm. And I get that. Mm -hmm. You know what? I, I, I get that. I understand that. The only thing I would say with North Carolina is their head coach is Mac Brown. Right. And he has had a history of winning. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, – but I do agree with you uh, overall. Uh, Missouri got the, Mizzou got the win over LSU, um, which um, the top Iowa target, which actually I think the top Iowa target is the guy that Iowa already got, Aaron Graves, uh, because it's very rare that you have a 6'6", 270-pound uh, defensive end in your backyard that – loves your school so much that picks your school right mm -hmm. away. Uh, you know, I, I feel much more confident about Phil Parker being able to find someone uh, that is, is just as athletic as Xavier, however you say it, uh, and, and, and making him into a fantastic defensive back. But 
Uh, Missouri is in his top three. It's Iowa, Iowa State, and Missouri. And we're going to see right now. Uh, I think Iowa is leading that battle because I think, um, not first and foremost, Gavin Williams, uh, he went to Southeast Polk. Uh, Iowa has that connection there. Um, and I think he knows that I think, I don't think he is an Iowa fan, Dean. I think he, knows about Iowa and has watched mm-hmm. Iowa and knows Iowa's at putting DBs uh, in there. But I do find it interesting that for him, he could. it's not like TJ Ballers, which, by the way, that recruitment, people think is weird that TJ Ballers went to Wisconsin. It's really not weird because Iowa decided to put all their effort um, – on Max Llewellyn, who is now a four-star defensive end, uh, as opposed to trying to win out with T.J. Ballers, whose dad played at Iowa. Uh, and I think it was the right move. Um, I, I think, you know, going back to that, I think T.J. Ballers was looking for every – was looking at every school but Iowa. I think he was looking for every reason not to go to Iowa like his dad – and I think Iowa sensed that, and they found a very talented guy in Max Llewellyn. Dean, have you seen that kid play yet, Max Llewellyn, Urbandale High School? I have not. Um, I have not. Kid's a freak, Dean. Mm-hmm. He is 6'6", 250. Uh, the dude has like 30 catches for X amount of yards uh, at tight end. And then nobody can stop him on the double team, double triple team, uh, class four A football as a defensive end. So not only is he a good defensive end, but you know we can see his athleticism as a tight end. Uh, you know, originally he was ranked as an athlete because he could either play D end or tight end. But, you know, Iowa always does a great job of saying, listen, dude, you're a defensive end. You're not a tight end. And if you want to play in the NFL, you'll play defensive end. You'll come here and we'll develop you into that. They do a great job of that. Mm-hmm. But it is it, – it, when they find freaky athletes like that, it's awesome. Uh, and uh, Iowa loves finding guys like that. And that's, you know, why they've been successful. I mean, truthfully, that's why they've been successful these last three, four years – uh, especially in recruiting, because they've been able to find these in-between guys that uh, that also uh, play other sports, and Iowa is able to convince them that they love those guys more than the other schools do, and that Iowa will uh, has a track record of finding the right position for them and doing what's right for them. And you know what? It's kind of hard to argue against that. So, um, but uh, yeah, going back, Xavier Nwakampe is looking at Missouri. Um, isn't it, it's still weird, Dean, that Missouri is in the SEC. Uh, how do you feel about Missouri being in an SEC school? It's kind of hard to um, fathom them there. <laughs> I just, I still think of them, I still think of them as a uh, 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 big, big 12 school. Big, big 12, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah big, big. For me, a hundred. I think Oklahoma, Missouri, Texas, uh, those were always the three uh, Big Twelve teams yeah. for me. I don't know. For some reason, they just really wanted to get out of the Big Twelve, and I know they're but they were butt hurt when we chose Nebraska over them. 
when they, you know, when the <laughs> when the whole thing was going on. I don't even <laughs> there. Um, I I really don't. I don't know if the Big Ten was going after uh the Missouri, uh, Missouri um or if they were going after Missouri and Nebraska or if it was an either or thing. Um, it if it's true that they were going after Missouri, mm-hmm. Dean. Um, let me ask you a question. Now that Nebraska has been in the Big Ten for, I don't know, seven, eight years now. Um, I got them down for 10. Would you still, would you still, okay, 10 years now, would you still have chosen Nebraska? Yes, yes, yes and no. Um, yes, because I think they're a natural fit fit to us. They just haven't adjusted to big ten, big 10 style football yeah. because they're still playing big 12 type football. And they, they've been through a couple of coaches since then, since the, um, they sure. were with big 12 and I don't understand why they haven't figured it out yet. And so, but I think, I don't know. I think Missouri, I don't know, but there's a natural rivalry with Iowa. There's a net, they mm-hmm. are in the Midwest. When you think of Nebraska, you think Midwest, you think Iowa, Kansas, you know, Illinois, you know, Wisconsin. You do think – when you think Midwest, I don't think you think Missouri. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. You know, if California school, uh, Missouri would kind of – would be connected to Texas and and uh, this more the South, to be mm-hmm. honest. Um, but this is what I'll say. From from Iowa's standpoint in the Big Ten West, the uh, Nebraska has been um, good, but if you look at how Missouri has done in the SEC and how Nebraska has done in the Big Ten, it's been about equal. Mm-hmm. If not, Missouri had a little bit more success at football in the SEC compared to uh, Nebraska in the Big Ten besides those first few, uh, few mm-hmm. years with Bo Pelini. Right. And so, um, and, and so this, is, this is my thought process. And uh, we're going to uh, head out of here on an, on an Iowa topic. I'll uh, finish the, uh, the last couple scores. But this is an interesting uh, conversation, I think. Um, with Nebraska, with basketball, they haven't really brought that much to the Big Ten. Uh, with other sports, that sure, they've done okay in the Big Ten. But let's just stick with football and basketball. Missouri, on the other hand, has done – has been consistently solid in football, in the SEC. Uh, I think they would be – do the exact same thing in the Big Ten, whereas Nebraska, besides the first few years, has struggled. Um, and then on top of that, uh, basketball, Missouri has consistently been better than Nebraska. Now, I understand the Big Ten is the best conference in hoops, mm-hmm. but Missouri and, and Missouri hasn't been great, Dean, at basketball, but they have been better than Nebraska. Nebraska um, was – how would you describe Nebraska? Because they were always on the precipice of – they were always in that 7, 8, 9 range of the Big Ten with the guy with the glasses. They were always that, – that's where they always mm-hmm. were. Um, and we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with uh, 
with our guy uh, uh, with uh, Fred Hoiberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm I'm curious, but from 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 a PR standpoint, uh, Nebraska was the choice. Nebraska brings in a lot of mm-hmm. revenue, a lot of fan base, a lot of passion, a lot of tradition. But I will say this, Dean. Recruiting and the success that Missouri has had, especially with the fake uh, racial thing that happened at their school that nearly broke the school down, mm-hmm. um, they have done solid in the SEC. And if we're being honest with each other, Missouri is a hotbed. I mean, what it, the states in the Midwest that are hotbeds for recruiting – are Missouri, Illinois, and Texas. Those are the three states that if you're going to go up and down to recruit, and maybe Indiana, maybe Indiana, yes, Iowa's gotten better. Yes, Nebraska's getting better, but Missouri's up in there. So, um, you know, I still think at the end of the at the end of the day, I would pick Nebraska, but I certainly think you can make a strong, strong argument for Missouri. Uh, even the thing that Missouri is lacking, Dean, and then I'll hand the floor over to you, is just the tradition. Mm-hmm. Missouri just doesn't have that. Uh, if you grow up in the state of Missouri, hell, you could go to Iowa, you could go to Illinois, you could go to you know Alabama, you could go to Texas. Whereas you grew up in Nebraska – you're picking Nebraska or some other school in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. I mean that that is it's that you know what mm-hmm. I mean. Go ahead, Dean. Okay, um, I'm not. I'm pretty much on board with you on everything you you just said. Um, like I said, you know, when originally they they did choose Nebraska because I believe of tradition. They're um, and they were a football right. school, and I think at the at the time that they wanted to look for that. Um, what that time would have been the 12th team. They chose Nebraska because I believe because of their football tradition. I don't think they cared about their basketball or wrestling or anything like that. Um, So, yeah, but. By the way, Missouri's a better wrestling school. Missouri is a better wrestling school than Nebraska. But go ahead. And then um, what I was going to say is, is during that time, it was known that Missouri, I don't know if Big Ten ever considered Missouri, but they were making a push to become a Big Ten team. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Big Ten makes an announcement that they're going to expand. Everybody's thinking it's Missouri, and they introduce Nebraska as the 12th member, and and uh, <laughs> shocked everybody because right. it was it was well, well known. Who in the, would you pardon? Well, I guess what I'm saying is overall, um, because it, we both know that that the Big Ten and the SEC were both trying. To not, they weren't just trying to get one school. Um, if if the Big Ten could have got Nebraska and Missouri, they would have done it. But Missouri um, didn't want to be second fiddle to Nebraska, mm-hmm. and, or vice versa. It was an either or thing. Um, and so I guess I'm asking you: Is did the Big Ten make the right call? Do you think overall in choosing Nebraska? Overall, actually. I, I said yes yeah. and no, but you know, not more. I heard you talk. I think Missouri would have been the better choice. Are they a natural fit? In the big, if that, are they a natural choice? Probably because they got Iowa and Illinois. 
right there. You know, two that, that they could have been those right. could have been two exactly. huge rivals between the two. And actually, Missouri and Illinois, even though they're not in the same conference, do play each other in football. They have been rivals. Yes. They have been rivals. Yeah. They they play each other every year in hoops. Yeah, yeah. and in football. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, I think you're right. I don't know if that contract has continued though. I think there was some bit uh, a big thing on oh, that okay. recently that that was not continuing. But you but but you you're mostly right yeah. on that. Anyways, no, go ahead. And I think the more I think about it, yeah, Missouri would have been the better fit, and they would have been the better choice. I think you know so. And Nebraska could have been over there in the Big 12 just dominating things with Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't – if it has – I think Nebraska would still be fine if they had Bo Pelini because when they had Bo Pelini, mm-hmm. they played defense. And as the the guy said that was on the, on the Washed Up Walk-Ons podcast, mm-hmm. he said that, you know, Nebraska fans need to realize – that it's it's not the Osborne days where uh, Osborne could just mm-hmm. cast a net and grab anybody he wanted, basically, mm-hmm. um, in the Midwest. That's not the case anymore, uh, as Iowa has been good for 40-plus years, mm-hmm. as um, schools like Wisconsin have gotten much better, uh, things like that. Um, and so uh, it becomes, you, you know, a thing where y- – you do have to have realistic expectations. And let's be honest, Dean, Nebraska is not a hotbed for recruiting. The state is not. The state maybe produces four or five power five guys, Mm -hmm. uh, occasionally a little bit more than that. Um, I mean, hell, Iowa is doing better in in developing guys in state uh, than Nebraska is. So um, having Missouri, that would have given a direct pipeline uh, to Missouri, the state of Missouri and the talent that that state produces. And the top talent more often chooses SEC than the Big Ten. And that's just facts uh, because they are in the SEC. Right. So now overall, Dean, who it did not help is Missouri. Missouri choosing the SEC did not help Missouri at all. It didn't help their tradition. It didn't help uh, their recruiting. Uh, To me, had they gone to the Big Ten, just because of the way the Big Ten is with tradition and rivalries, I think it would have made a difference and it would have helped Missouri in recruiting and keeping uh, kids in state and stuff like that, not letting guys like Tyler Cook go to Iowa things like that. But um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting topic and you know what? Um, we'll see what happens with Nebraska this year. I do, before we want to get, before we get out of here, I do want to talk about, go back to the big 12 thing. Uh, and then I want to talk about uh, some Hawkeyes in the NFL to uh, uh, keep an eye on uh, uh, today. The In my opinion, Iowa state, and, and I'm happy that Iowa State is 2-1. and one. But uh, if they were in the Big Ten, I think they, they would be a 500 team, maybe a little bit less. I think they would kind of be like Nebraska, how Nebraska has been doing, or maybe a little bit better than Illinois. Um, and I guess what I have been saying is that the Big 12 as a whole, like the Pac-12 overall, 
has been diminishing over the last two, three years. And I think we are really, really seeing that this year. And I think we would have been really, really, really seeing that in the Pac-12 as well had they had a se- uh, decided to have a season with the rest of the conferences. Um, and as I wrote in my Facebook co- comment, if – uh, you know, I don't know if the Mountain West is playing, but not all of the group of five conferences are playing. If this was a normal, normal season, I think Iowa State would not be ranked. I think Iowa State, uh, the, the Big 12 would be getting slammed for how uh, how much they have dropped in, in, in prestige as a conference. Um, and I do think they're in trouble, Dean. And as for Iowa State and assessing if they're really a good, an above-average team or just an average team in a bad conference, I think it's more likely that they're an average team in a bad conference. That's just my opinion. What do you think? Honestly, I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Um, yeah. But, but, but yeah. you know, you bring up a good point, you know um, – the one thing I was thinking, if this wasn't a COVID year and the way things are going, would Oklahoma be 0-2 in the Big 12 this year or not? Just kind of wondering. That's a great question. Yeah, great, great question. Um, with, with a chance, you know, Oklahoma would have played some other schools before they played uh, their Big 12 mm-hmm. schedule. Um, it is, you're, you're, it's likely that they would not be – uh, Ofer in the Big 12. Um, you're absolutely right. And the biggest thing why they were ranked so high, and we already talked about this before, is the prognosticator said that their defense, because I think they had a defensive coordinator change, that their defense was going to be much improved. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just hasn't been. Um, and But I do think it is likely, you're right, that they, that they would not be Ofer, that they would uh, have had – uh, a couple of wins versus cupcake teams. Um, and uh, who knows, maybe that would have helped them uh, correct some of the mistakes mm-hmm. uh, in their Big 12 schedule. Um, and, and, and it makes it interesting, which brings me to Iowa versus Purdue. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're two weeks away, Dean. Right. And the, the, the thing is, is that Iowa has heavily relied upon playing against average to above average. Um, like last year, they played Northern Illinois, and I forget the other school they played, but both team Northern Illinois ended up being winning the MAC, mm-hmm. and then and Iowa beat the brakes off of them. And then Iowa played another school that ended up doing well in their conference as well, making it to a bowl game. And that in the schedule ended up being even harder than what Iowa fans suggested. Um, and so going to the article that I recently wrote about realistic expectations. Yes, the schedule on paper looks tough. And uh, let's start with the COVID part of mm-hmm. this. Iowa usually plays a Northern Illinois, a UNI, or an Iowa State before the season starts. Correct. Uh, in the Big Ten. And usually how Iowa does against Iowa State is a good prognostication for how the season is going to go. 
It hasn't always been. I mean, the Brad Banks year, Iowa lost to Iowa State, and they you know, ended up doing great. But usually it's a good prognosticator. So it will be interesting to see how Iowa prepares. But the other on the flip side, Dean, is Purdue has the same limitations that Iowa has with the COVID thing and preparing to play each Correct. other. Neither of them, get, you know, get a uh, a preseason game before they play each other. Correct. And if there was a coach that I – in my opinion, what's going to happen this year in the Big Ten is this, is the cream of the crop and coaches are going to rise to the top because the top coaches are going to prepare their teams the best for this type of season – and I think Iowa has the talent that does not necessarily need to be developed through those, you know, three preseason games that they should be okay. And, um, and so the expectations for the eight games, to me, anything short of six and two, maybe five and three, depending on, you know, what else is going on in the Big Ten, you know, like if the Big Ten is much better than we originally thought and the schedule is much more difficult than we originally thought, maybe five and three would be okay. But to me, six and two is the limit for this team. That's how good this team is, this Iowa team is. Um, but looking at Oklahoma and some of the LSU and some of these others, other teams where they have gone basically straight into the SEC – it's going to be interesting, Dean, and I'm curious what you think, how Iowa is going to do. Um, my final thought on it, and I've said it to you before, is if there's a coach that can prepare for a weird season like this, it's the 20-plus-year veteran, Kirk Ferentz. Mm -hmm. So I feel pretty good about it. Go ahead. Actually, I'm kind of with you on this one because – when I think about Iowa has been very consistent. They haven't had any change in coaching recently, you know, the last couple of years. So they know, they know the schemes, they know the plays, they know right. what they need to do. They just need to go out and do it where um, I'm trying to think who you all, oh, you were talking about Oklahoma with a new defensive coordinator that explains their lack of defense and what's not going on there because those guys didn't have a chance in spring to work out those kinks and didn't have any preseason, you know, three or four games, whatever they play for non-conference in the Big 12. Um, they didn't have a chance to, work, to those, work on those schemes, schemes yeah. out against inferior teams. And so, yeah, I think um, – I don't know what else is going on with it's Purdue. Kinda, it kinda, what you just said kind of reminds me of uh, the James Vandenberg season where the year prior he lit it up, mm -hmm. but then when the new scheme came with uh, Greg Davis – it was just a disastrous season. It was, it, yeah. So, you I, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So, how confident are you um, about this Iowa team heading into uh, Purdue two weeks out? Okay, heading into Purdue. One, on a scale of one to ten, I guess. I'm going to go with a five. I'm, I'm still in the middle. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. I'm not – I'm not – Is it more because of Purdue or, or – or just you're not you're not sold on Iowa quite yet. What what what, what is it? Is it I'm, the weirdness of the season? Okay, it's a Go little ahead. bit of um the weirdness of the season, um, and it's I think I think it's more because of Purdue. I I think um 
I don't think any – I think Iowa has the talent overall to beat Purdue, but I, they should that coach, that coach, he comes up, you know, that some of these – he's one of those coaches that come up with weird things against Iowa that he won't do against sure. – won't do against any other team. And he's actually and right. he's actually a pretty decent coach. Like, like when, uh, you know, his first year against Iowa, he, he – um, he just burned us for a couple of quick touchdowns on, on a, on a safety or a corner that he knew was a rookie. And he said, let's just go get him. Let's, yep. let's test him. If he stops us. Great. If not, we're yeah, gonna burn it the was crap. Riley Moss. Yeah. It was Riley Moss. They went after him over and over and over and over and over that again. Poor, You're absolutely right. Yeah, yep. And that poor guy. And that was ultimately, we didn't lose the game by much because we actually came back and had a chance to win the game toward the end, but we didn't get there. But, um, you know, that ultimately made it seal the deal on Iowa. And, you know, with those two great receivers that produce, not that we don't have great receivers, but I would take either one of those two over ours. Does that make sense? Okay, fair enough. You know? Yeah. I think they're a little um, bit better than ours yeah. are. Rondell Moore, for sure. Um, but, uh, and Iowa almost got David Bell. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, if we're talking about the collective unit, I would still stick with Iowa's. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, the write-up I did on the wide receivers. I mean, Dean, uh, I, I, we have not seen the best of Tyrone Tracy. Uh, he, he is the reason Iowa went, had, you know, had ten wins last year. Had it been any other year, and Brandon Smith went down, Iowa would have been in massive trouble. But Tyrone Tracy saved the offense, saved that season. Um, the other thing I'm going to say is this, is that this usually Purdue gets Iowa in the middle of the season where Iowa is uh, uh, not necessarily figuring things out, but it's just some weird game in the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. And it's something like they don't get up for it, get up for the ch- – it's just something strange. Whatever it is, it's something. Uh, Kirk Ferentz is one and two against prom. By the way, uh, 247 sports ranked Kirk Ferentz, I think 17th best coach coach in the country. Um, Just a little side note there. But for me, the difference is this, is Iowa has four weeks to prepare for Purdue. And so I look at this game kind of like a bowl game. Mm -hmm. And uh, has Kirk Ferentz been fantastic in bowl games? No, not by any stretch. But Iowa – you. You always have to put things into context, and Iowa has always, always, always usually played better teams than what uh, their their record is. For instance, the year it was C.J. Beathard uh, versus, uh, I think it was Florida, and uh, or it was either Florida or LSU, and obviously uh, – the Florida and or LSU, whichever team I'm pretty sure is Florida was better than Iowa, Iowa, you know, uh, their schedule, uh, their record, uh, did not reflect the talent. Um, uh, their record did not reflect the talent, uh, disparity between Florida and Iowa and Iowa dominated mm-hmm. and, and Iowa has played in a lot of bowl games like that. Um, and so, I feel good about Kirk Ferentz preparing for Purdue for, uh, with four weeks more so than I feel confident in in Jeff uh, Prom uh, preparing for Iowa in four weeks because the difference is 
first and foremost, I think Kirk Ferentz is a better coach. And secondly, I, I three reasons. Secondly, Iowa's defense will be better than Purdue's defense uh, in, in the first week. And third, um, Purdue, I don't think, will be as ready as Iowa will be for Iowa's offense uh, compared to Purdue's offense for Iowa. In other words, uh, Iowa, I think, will be able to do more damage against Purdue with their offense than Purdue will be able to do, uh, you know, uh, their offense against Iowa's defense. Um, I, I don't think that. Uh, Quite frankly, I don't think any team in the Big Ten is ready for what Iowa can do because Iowa has always done more with less. Mm -hmm. Now they have more, so let's see if they can do more with more. <laughs> and that's kind of a scary thought uh, and an exciting thought for me as a Hawkeye fan, and it makes me feel good. Um, go ahead. Give me your final thought on this, and then that we're going to talk some C.J. Beathard, and then we're going to head out of here. Uh, both of us got some church, and uh, I'll finish out by saying the, the scores and the, the, the rest of the scores. And, okay. yeah, go ahead. All right. Well, uh, so, since we're talking about the Purdue game, yeah, um, I think the advantage that we have is we've got a, a, a better run game, and we can we – can, what's the best way to stop Purdue? Slow them down with our run game and – I, I believe that first. I believe that first point. game. We're going to see a lot more running than we will passing. I think the passing will be used to where it be needed, or kind of like trip them up a little bit where they expect to run. I don't. I this first game, yes. I do not expect to see um, our quarterback Petrus slinging it all over the field. I will he? Yeah, I, I think he will. Um, just to kind of get his feet wet a little bit, but I just got. But, you know, a team, I think you will only throw 20 passes. Yeah. That's it. I think this – yeah, this is just one of those games where you have to slow Purdue down. And how do you keep the ball out of um, Bell and Rondell Moore's hands? You just keep the ball as long as you can. I think these will be some patented eight, seven, eight-minute, nine-minute drives unless, of course, of course um, <laughs> the um, running backs get free for a big old long run. <laughs> Right. Exactly. And, and you know what? Thank goodness you brought that point up. That would, that, that should have been my first mm -hmm. point. Uh, I forgot to talk about since we, uh, since I've mentioned it for weeks now, the, the, the biggest thing is that finally Iowa has an above average running game. Uh, not only do they have a, an above average to towards elite, uh, running group they have an elite individual back um, and also I'm still very interested to see the capabilities of Ivory Kelly Martin um, and then on top of that this offensive line Dean uh, which includes the entire run game uh, on paper this uh, this, this uh, offensive line is uh, I can't think of a better offensive line besides 2015 on paper. I agree. Um, but the weird thing with offensive lines, though, is, and you know this, is 2015 didn't have, didn't feature, they only had one draft pick on that offensive line, Austin mm -hmm. Blythe, and he's the only one still playing in mm -hmm. the NFL. Um, and so talent uh, doesn't always equal great ground game success. For Iowa, so you never know. But on paper, this Iowa offensive line is as good as any other. I mean, in my, I mean, just, 
I mean, Alaric Johnson, Alaric Jackson, Coit Cronk, and Tyler Lindenbaum, that's three mm-hmm. NFL guys on one offensive line. So um, I agree with you totally and completely. This running game is going to be the difference, and Iowa will slow the game down by running the football. I don't think we're going to see a change in the pace that Iowa plays at. I think the only thing that, that we're – and and maybe we can talk about this for a second, Dean, is the is what uh, fans uh, – what what is realistic for – uh, fans to expect from the offense. To me, I don't think there's going to be a, a ton of changes schematically. Uh, I think it's going to be exactly what Brian Ferentz has done for the past couple of years, which is 50-50 run mm-hmm. pass game. Uh, and and you know what? Brian Ferentz has had moments of, of brilliance. Now that he has all his toys – I'm very intrigued to see what production can come out of his schemes. And so I guess what I'm saying is I don't think the schemes will change, only the production, right. if that makes well, sense. It, Go ahead. I can't remember which um, wide receiver said this, but um, during his interview this week, during the media days, but he kind of hinted that there might be a new wrinkle or two because he, he said he can't wait to unleash unleash and show what they're what they're going to do this year. Yeah, I can't remember his exact words, but it it made you think that he's talking about there might be a new wrinkle or two. And um, Brian Ferentz, don't you like the confidence of these guys right now? I love the confidence. It means that they can go out and think they can beat anybody. And Brian Ferentz also hinted that they might do a lot of more end rounds because he looked at that USC game and their first two touchdowns were scored by wide receivers doing end rounds. (laughs) Right. Which it, that's a that's a great point, and and mm-hmm. we'll leave it here. Uh, is Iowa sometimes offensively has been stuck in their own uh, pro style thought process, where they say where the in their minds they think, well, a good defense will stop mm-hmm. this, uh, or a good defense in the NFL would stop this. This won't work without realizing it's college football. Mm-hmm. They're still kids. They, they make mistakes all the time on assignments, and it's it's okay to, to be uh, tricky uh, here and there to keep the defense on their heels. And Brian Ferentz has done a great job of that. The, the only, Dean, quite frankly, the only criticism I have of Brian Ferentz is his unwillingness to open it up against top teams like Michigan and Penn State. And we saw that last year. They were very, very, very conservative. And then, like against Penn State, when they decided to go downfield, Brandon Smith makes a huge catch, touchdown. The game's within, uh, you know, reachable, re- you know, a reachable change uh, of Iowa having a comeback win. But it was too little, too is that, late. Is that the game where and, they? Uh, and, we, and we almost saw it in the Wisconsin yeah, no, that, game. Go ahead. One of the games where they had only like a couple of minutes left and they decided to punt the ball away after a score when they really needed to go for an onside kick. And I can't remember thinking that their defense yeah. would get them the ball back with just enough time to score. And and that didn't happen. I'm pretty sure that was yeah. a Penn State game. Yeah, I, I, I remember that mm-hmm. 100%. Um, so we'll leave it there uh, because – 
there's still so much to talk about with Brian Ferentz, with this offense and everything moving forward as, as, uh, and we'll, me and Dean will talk about this uh, midweek, by the way, guys go to two, four, seven Hawkeye.com. We have tons of great, great articles. It's funny, Dean, um, the article that Paul wrote, uh, when he emailed it to me, it did look like a, like he was comparing, uh, football to basketball. Uh, like a basketball, like mm-hmm. the basketball decision. And the, the, the article was getting tons of traffic, but the, and then he texts me and says that I get it wrong. And so I change it up, you know, mm-hmm. to its correct thing. And so now we have two article, two of the same articles floating out there uh, just with different pictures and different yeah. headlines. But the original article was working just fine. I should have <laughs> just, uh, looked at, at the traffic and made mm-hmm. a decision there. Uh, but the article is uh, uh, comparing Luca Garza's decision and the anticipation of that and COVID and the anticipation with the football season to 85 and Chuck Long's decision. It's a great article. Uh, people love no- nostalgic mm-hmm. stories. So go and read it. Don't miss it. Um, 247hawkeye.com. Uh, so let me finish out with the with the scores here. Auburn beat Arkansas by two points. BYU beat UT, UTSA. Um, uh, Mizzou beat LSU. Oklahoma beat Texas. Uh, wow, they went into overtime. Okay, didn't know that. Um, and Iowa State beat right. What, how many? Oh yeah, it says it's four OTs. Wow, uh, the Red River River rivalry really is. A, say that three times fast. That is a fun, uh, fun, fun game. It always is, even if it was two very average, mediocre teams going up against each other. Um, Iowa State beat Texas Tech, which I don't even know what you know how texas tech is doing as a program where they're currently at in the process i mean the last coach they had there is a nfl coach now and he's actually doing better in the nfl than he did yeah. for texas tech, was, so i don't know um they're only three in the big 12 iowa state did not yeah beat they're only three in the big 12 what's that texas tech is only three in the big 12 yeah they're not, not right mm-hmm. not a good team there uh, the last thing I want to touch on is C.J. Beathard. C.J. Beathard, it looks like, is going to get the nod uh, starting against uh, – let's see who they um, are going against. Um, uh, let's see here. Uh, he He's getting the nod over Nick Mullins, um, and uh, I don't know who they are playing against this week. I can't say – I think it's the uh, – yeah, I can't see it. Um, but, uh, CJ Beathard is going to nod and I'm, I'm happy for him. Um, he's, well, actually check that, uh, CJ Beathard is now the number two quarterback, which to me was always obvious. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's proved himself to be better than Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins, what happened, what happened is this is the 49ers, we're in the stage of, of revitalizing the program, uh, the team, and C.J. Beathard got the nod early in the season. And then when Nick Mullins got the nod, 
the 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 Niners had progressed, developed, gotten better, and so Nick Mullins was basically playing with a better version of the Niners than C.J. Better Beathard mm-hmm. was, and so he looked better than he actually was. Uh, whereas C.J. Beathard was playing with you know guys that aren't even there anymore, and you know still did a did a pretty dang good job considering it was only his second year as a quarterback. I mean, he he did better than most uh, first-round quarterbacks. So um, that's good news. It looks like Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get the start, actually. Uh, he's healthy, but that's good news, Dean. I mean, I, to me, it's obvious C.J. Beathard is an NFL mm-hmm. quarterback and will be an NFL quarterback for at least the next, next couple of years, which is good news for the Iowa Hawkeyes in their recruiting of quarterbacks. What do you think? Absolutely true. This is why backup quarterbacks last longer than regular quarterbacks in the NFL because they don't take the they don't take the running. That's why they're around, and that's why sometimes you see see after ten or so years that they actually win a starting job somewhere because their body is in great shape. <laughs> right, exactly. I was actually hoping that he would get the nod against the Dolphins, but but the their their division is so. Strong that the Niners can't afford a loss. They can't afford to play around like that. Um, and I get that. Um, but I was really hoping that CJ Beathard would get the chance against uh, an average, below average Miami Dolphins yeah, me team. Too. Um, but, but we'll see. I mean, he's the number two guy, and odds are, uh, with Jimmy Garoppolo's injury history, odds are CJ Beathard will get another shot. And so that is good news. Well, listen, folks, um, that's going to do it for us. This actually even went longer, but that's how it usually goes. <laughs> um, you know, I just want to uh, it's so funny. That's how it always goes. I just want to say, guys, uh, we are so thankful. Every podcast has grown in, in how many listens it gets. And, you know, I don't think it's because of me or Dean's specific talent. You know, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that you guys just love content and me and Dean are happy to give that to you. Uh, We love talking about the Iowa Hawkeyes. It doesn't matter if it's football, basketball, wrestling, uh, women's soccer. I mean, truly, it does not Mm -hmm. matter. We just love the Iowa Hawkeyes sports program. And so um, we are very thankful. We are very grateful. Um, if, if you do want to help us out, you can help us out by going to 247hawkeye or 247, yeah, 247hawkeye.com and, you know, buying a short shirt or giving a donation. I have said multiple times that a, a good portion of any donation would go to the UI Children's Hospital just because, quite frankly, me, Dean, and, or, and Paul don't need the money. But if that's something you want to do, it's good to know that that's uh, what we would plan to do with it. Um, also, by help listening and sharing the podcast through Audacity helps us out a lot. Uh, you know, listening to the ad at the beginning of the podcast actually gets us a little bit of money and it helps us out a little bit and it's, and it's fun. And I've said this before, I'll say it again. Even if you don't like the podcast, send it to, send it, uh, to a Nebraska fan or an (laughs) Iowa state fan, see what happens. You never know. Um, Dean, anything you want to say as we head out here? As always, just thank you for listening and go Hawks. Amen, brother. 
Thank you guys, as always, for listening. We are, do this every Sunday morning. We recap the uh, college football weekend that was uh, mostly for the ranked teams, and we incorporate the Iowa Hawkeyes in there, and it will be much more fun uh, once the Hawkeyes are playing. I can't wait for that to happen. Uh, and uh, by the way, we will be pr- adding another uh, – podcast during the week on top of that just because there will be so much to talk about with the Iowa Hawkeyes so plan for that uh as always thank you guys and as always DBAP don't be a pussy willow and facts over feelings because your feelings don't matter love you guys kisses go Hawks and have a great Sunday